What's up, everybody? I just want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Fast Break Records. Fast Break Records has a ton of great releases coming out in 2017, 2018. A few that are available right now. Absolute Suffering, Departed, Activate, Lionheart, Brick by Brick, A New Lifeless 7-inch, Eaten Alive. I want to remind everybody about this Eaten Alive record. Uh, we had a great friend to the Pennsylvania hardcore scene, a Philadelphia native, Max Moya, pass away. So everyone who buys this pre-order, okay, there's a few bunch, uh, a few very cool packages with t-shirts and hoodies and, uh, I don't know, it's just some really cool stuff that you can buy in a pre-order from the new Eaten Alive record. It's called Masterpiece of Ignorance. I've heard a few songs off of it. It is fucking awesome. Awesome record. And if uh, <clears throat> it's a shame that they're not going to get to really uh, push this thing the way that uh, that they wanted to um, before Max passed away, it's truly a masterpiece. It's really a good, good record. Um, go buy this pre-order, and all the proceeds go to the family of Max Moya. It's going to go to his mother and father, who are really, really having a rough uh, year. Um, few other tragedies in his family this is really going to help them a lot uh, if you go pre-order it at fastbreakrecords.com you will be helping his family a lot and uh it'll be much appreciated by everyone in the pennsylvania hardcore scene um one more thing i want to mention is wisdom and chains two records die young and class war they were unavailable digitally for probably close to a year now and uh we have just re-release them digitally on all platforms so now you can buy or stream or however you get your music the two records wisdom and chains die young and wisdom and chains class war are back up on all digital platforms so uh thank you for your patience i know a lot of people were hitting me up and uh, a bunch of the, the band members um seeing you know just kind of wondering what happened to what happened to this record that they love so you are uh in luck it's back up and one of the proudest moments of my musical career is we have a split seven inch that just came out a few days ago. Fastbreakrecords.com. You can order a Mad Ball Wisdom and Chains split seven inch. It's called The Family Biz. One song each. Uh, Mad Ball's song is called For the Cause. Our song is called Someday. And it's. Uh, it's doing very well, and I appreciate all the positive feedback that I've heard so far. And uh, please go buy it. Go listen to it. Go buy it on iTunes. Buy the vinyl. Push it, push it, push it. We really appreciate all the support. Thank you so much for uh, for uh, caring about us. It, it really means a lot when uh, I hear from strangers that uh, heard a song that we made in the basement and uh it they respond so positively to it and it becomes a part of the fabric of people's lives just like it is a, of our lives we really appreciate the support like you you really have no idea how how great it makes us feel so fastbreakrecords.com www.fastbreakrecords.com this is the post america podcast This is our shit! Post America!
Lynch, Chrissy the Baboon, Post-America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. I'll break your fucking head open. Come on up. We're recording. Are you recording? Yeah. You already start? All right, we're on, baby. We are here with our one of our most coveted guests that we've uh, a sought after guest for from Post America Podcast, our friend Scott Ebanks. Hello, Scott. Welcome to the show. Hey, little brother. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. We're still in Poughkeepsie at the Chance. We we kind of lucked out today. We did. We did an episode with just the three of us, and then we did one with Hoya, a quick one, and now we get we got the, the man three, we, we were waiting three for, for, Mr. Ebanks. <laughs> Well, I hope we do a whole bunch more. Yeah, we, we will. We, we're not going to stop with this. Nah. just this one. We got to. We got to keep it going. Because we came very familiar with you through Hoya's podcast, your whole story. But we did know the story because as younger guys in the hardcore scene, you had a name that lingered. And it had a far reach. And nobody, it was almost like a mythical creature. Exactly. And like, you, know, you know, I'm not we, trying to get you crazy, but... Scott, the Scotty Banks was like nobody knew the true story, but we knew he was sort of one of us at one time. And what happened to this guy, and what really went down, and all of this stuff. Even people that didn't know your friends directly, somehow your name lingered. And and we had toured with Madball, of quite a few times, and every single night, Freddie says this song's locked down for Scotty Banks every night, and every night. That's Every single night for yes. years and years and years and years. This is locked down for Scott Ebanks. But at the time, I'll be honest, I thought your name was Scotty Banks. Oh, yeah. We got all the configuration. We got Scott E. Banks. We have Scotty <laughs> E. Banks. You know, yeah. Scott Banks. But my actual name is Scott Paul Anthony Ebanks. Okay. <laughs> so not Edward, you know. Yeah, yeah. Scott Paul Anthony Ebanks. Ebanks is one word. One word. So what we were we were just talking about metal music. Oh yeah. And your your playlists. Let's talk about how did you how did you first realize that you loved rock? How did you re- first realize oh, you loved it, metal? It it goes back to the seventies. I mean, uh, my mom would play on the radio. She would play James Taylor. Carly Simon would play Rolling Stones. And, you know, these these were the things that would come on, and it stuck with me. And it progressed from that. I mean, I love Billy Joel. I've loved Billy Joel my whole life, Elton John. Here, hearing that, you know, it, it progressed into more rock. By the time I was 9, 10 years old, I was listening to ACDC. And I was listening to Van Halen. And Van Halen gave birth in the early 80s for me to Motley Crue and Dio. And, you know, and I, I just kept listening to metal. And I discovered this band, Iron Maiden. I said, whoa, you know, this is great. And as we progressed further, by the time 1984 came out, somebody had a TDK cassette that somebody must have dubbed. And they're playing this band called Metallica. And I said, what is that? Yeah. You know, I already was aware of Motorhead and already yeah. loved that. But I heard Metallica and it blew my mind. Then somebody came with the EP for Slayer. You know, they they came with uh, uh, Haunting the Chapel. And to this day, this is ironic because to this day, Chemical Warfare is my favorite Slayer song. Like, I love all Slayer songs. I'm the biggest Slayer fan. And that's an early fan. song. And that's from the three song yeah. EP, you know, they, you know, from their early days. 
And it just stuck. I had a friend of mine when I was away at school. He had another cassette, and it was the Dead Kennedys. And I said, wow, this this is crazy, and this is awesome. you know." And really, at that time, I couldn't articulate you know, uh, 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 what was being said. As I got older, it, it, it wore on me. Yeah. You know, a lot of punk rock music, you know, it, it, it helped me grow up. It introduced me concepts that I wasn't aware of. You know, uh, hearing bands like the Dead Kennedys for the first time, you know, it, uh, it, it, opened, up my, it opened up my mind and I heard fear. You know, by the time I was 15, I was listening to hardcore you know, I was introduced to GBH, Broken Bones. Yeah. You know, time to say goodbye to your man right here. Chris Powerhouse just Chris walked Powerhouse. in the building. Hey, I love We're in Poughkeepsie, brother. New York, hey, I and I, you, Chris. I look up and see Chris Powerhouse. Amazing. I thought I time traveled somewhere for a second. Ninja and shit. <laughs> Ninjutsu, <laughs> yes. Respect, bro. What's, what's Shinobi. Be safe. That's it. Take care, brother. I love you. So let's get back to it. So, so by that time, 15 years old, you were full-on punk rocker. Yeah, 15. You know, I had my mohawk. You had know, a mohawk. Straight, I had yes. a mohawk. I'm straightening my hair up, you know. Using, one, first we were using extra super hole hairspray, you know, in a white can. Yes. And then we started using gelatin. One of the old school punk rockers told me, use the gelatin. And we put gelatin in our hair and made it stand up. But on the periphery, I knew of skinhead. <clears throat> Yeah. But I didn't know it intently. I didn't know. I learned from older skins. And in the summer, or the, really like the spring of of 86, I became a skinhead. And I started following the tenets of skinhead movement. Spring of 86. Of 86. I was 15. I turned 16 that June. What were your yeah. parents thinking during this time when you had the mohawk? Oh, I, I wasn't at home. Not at all? My father kicked me out that winter of 85. Oh, shit. In fact, he kicked me out right before it was Mental Abuse, Agnostic Front, and Exodus played at Lemoore's. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I was 15. And to make it clear, you're from Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. So wow. was it was it ever an issue? We were talking to Hoy about, about this, and he was... He described hardcore as white people's music, at least as a kid, how he thought of it. You know, was it, it ever an issue for you? Uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah it was. It it was an issue because it was it was strange and odd to black people, Latinos, you know, people from the hood. You know, this genre of music is is you know primarily favored by white people. Rock music in general is, and they would look at you like. You know what's up with this dude? Like this is crazy. You yeah. know we don't we don't do that. Yeah. You know we listen to rap. We listen to R and B. You know for the Latino you know family. We listen to salsa, merengue. You know we we know what the hell is this crazy devil worship shit you yeah. listen to? And uh, I went through that with my family. I went through that with the, the local community. You know, and being a kid from the city, you're surrounded by fellow blacks and Latinos. You know, yeah. And it, they totally weren't with it. But the irony of that is, is that rock music was created by a black guy. Yep. <laughs> Little Richard is the first recorded rock artist. The people who are most known, like widely known in rock music history, everyone knows Jimi Hendrix. Totally. Even years later, when you get bands like uh, 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 Living Color, mm -hmm. they won a Grammy for the first album. Yeah. So they've been innovative and pioneers in rock music. The, I always say this. This was the funniest thing during this time period. At the time that Lenny Kravitz was really big, 
He's still as big, yeah. but when he was really hot, when that he had time. Mr. Cab Driver and all of that. You, you, you know, and, and a little after that, you, yeah. know, are, you know, are you going to go my way? You know, yeah. you know, all that. Come. When that when that was big, some years later, Eminem shows up. But Lenny Kravitz was still hot. Yeah. You had, in what's considered white music, you had the most popular solo artist was a black guy. But in the black music, the most popular guy was a white kid from Detroit. Yep, that's crazy. Named Eminem. So the, the the music has no color. It has no ethnicity. Yeah. It transcends all of that. And even when it's showed to you that way, people still don't accept it. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is still black music, even though the white kid is the nicest rapper. And, you know, this is still white music, even though... The, the the best singer at you know that particular time is a black guy. Yeah. Now I mean we could you can go in between the spaces too. Hootie and the Blowfish, Darius Rucker's black. We could keep naming all the black rock musicians. You go damn Thin Lizzy. How yeah. many bands are created off it? Of, you know that Thin Lizzy inspired Very by Thin, yeah they 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 inspired by black artists. Yeah. How many people are inspired by white artists? Yeah. Now it, it's all crossover. But back then, man. Oh man, you you caught a lot of shit for being a black kid listening to punk rock by punk rock kids and your own your well, own guys. The older punk rock kids, they would tend to be some you know people are standoffish when they don't know you, and in some yeah. cases, rightfully so, and they'd be somewhat pretentious. They don't want to let you in to the inner circle, to the cool crowd. Yeah, you know, and they would treat they would treat you away, you know. And then you had this element of uh, uh, the white supremacist kids that are commonly called skinheads but truth truth be told they're not original skinheads are multiracial they're black they're white they're working class kids yeah and it started in england when the national front which is the equivalent of the kkk here in america they seen a potential of recruiting young white men into their organization they started propagating you know the the racism yeah and thus this nazi white supremacist thing arise and they got all the news media and all the publicity. So what people commonly call skinheads aren't really skinheads. Original skinheads listen to ska and reggae. Yeah. And I, I learned that too. When I said, well, I, I love this. You know, I could get with this. But the tenets of skinhead, you know, they, they stuck with me. You know, unity amongst the people. Unity amongst your friends, your brothers. And I stayed with it. You know, to this day, I still am. And at what age you became officially a skinhead? You dropped the punk stuff and you were... I was 15. 15. 15. Just getting ready to turn 16. Now, do you think in your neighborhood in Brooklyn, mostly black? Oh, yeah. Well, from one one part. and There were like borderlines. Like where I went to high school was probably a little bit south of the borderline. Mm. But... In one neighborhood like Canarsie was mostly Italian and Jewish. Yeah. Going all the way out to Avenue U. But if you, you go back now, it was mostly like working class Caribbean people, you know, uh, going back to the 90s. Okay. You know, going back towards Church Avenue. You know, that was the hood, you know. Uh, but we all went to high school together, so your school was 
mixed white and black. So I had brothers in there that were Jamaican. I had brothers in there that were Italian. I had yeah. brothers in there that were Irish. You had some Latinos, you know, and, and we all went to school again. So in the school, very diverse in the, the neighborhood. The school was uh, absolutely diverse. You yeah. got cousins in there. Yeah. You know, kids, hey, que fa, yo, Scotty boy, yo, what's going on? Yo, fucking forget about it. This fucking guy with the fucking punk rock yeah. music. You had Jamaican guy, yo, star, what a guan brethren. Yo, you have something for twist up, man, our fourth period. You know, fourth period, yeah. we cut out of school and go smoke weed in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, then you had the heavy metal kids. It's like, yo, Scotty, man, you going to Lemoore's this weekend, man? Overkill's playing. Like, yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, man! You're the balls. You know, he's like, you know, you, you had everybody oh, yeah. in the school, and we all, you know, got along together. Yeah. The the weird thing with me with everybody was, here I come. I got a girlfriend with blonde hair and blue eyes. That's drop dead gorgeous. And so the Italian kids would see me. They love me. You know, I played football in high school. And I'm like, they say, hey, look at the Oreo couple. Look at it. Fucking forget about it. <laughs> this way, you know. <laughs> oh my god. You say, you know. Yeah, that's just growing life in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was good. So 15, you're out of the house. Mm -hmm. Is it because of the music choices and all of that or no? What is it over? No. At that time, and I think even going back to when my father came home from Vietnam and got my mother pregnant with me, I don't, I know my father loves me, but I don't think that he wanted the responsibility of being a parent. He was happy that I was there. He's happy that I'm alive. He himself was happy that he was alive, that he survived that damn war. Yeah. But my father's a womanizer, you know? My father has five kids by four different women. Okay. I'm just the firstborn of them. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, how would you say? It would be an affirmation that I'm alive, you know? He, he wants to be with all the women he can be. He wants to have all the good times. He wants to get money. He wants to, you know... And he didn't want the responsibility of being a parent, you know, but here I am. His parents, my grandparents, who I love very much, were very much into their grandson. We want him in our life. Yeah. You know, he's the first born here from from my our son, you know, from our yeah. lineage. So we want to be a part of his life. He's an Ebanks, you know, so... I, you you had the pull of that. So he had to man up and have some responsibility there. And my mother wasn't letting it happen like that. You know, she she wanted me to be in his life too. You know, uh by the time I was fifteen, after being shuffled off from, you know, one family member to the next, he got custody of me in nineteen eighty two when I was eleven. I turned twelve that June. He sent me away to school. I went to boarding school for two years. It was always you know, looking back, it was always like, I have a kid, but I want to push the responsibility of taking care of the kid on somebody else. So in 1985, we got into a fight. His girlfriend at the time, she had issue with me being at her house. Yeah. And some bullshit ensued. And he crumbled up a $20 bill and threw it at me and said, get the fuck out of my truck. Damn. He... Thought I was going to just go back to my mom, which I did. Yeah. And she kicked me out two weeks later because she was upset that I asked the family court to go live with him. Mm. What they didn't realize was I got a whole bunch of punk rock friends living in an abandoned building on the Lower East Side. So it wasn't like I was without. I went right to the Lower East Side of Manhattan and the, the hardcore community, the punk rock community took me in. Wow. And that's where everything began, you know, as far as my punk rock history, yeah. you know. 
I lived in an abandoned building on Avenue C. By fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, fifteen. Wow, unbelievable. Jesus, man. So, this is wild. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> no, you know what? It's it's bizarre because <clears throat> I had a similar circumstances, but it which seemed very extreme to me. When I think back at my experience, it seems extreme. But it's not extreme because we're hearing you say it. I had a very similar experience uh, as a kid. And I was also kicked out of the house. And I was also living out like on the streets. But the streets weren't quite like New York City streets. <laughs> so it's not. It's, it's, yeah. it's like yours but way less intense. And hearing you say it back to me. Like I, it's still. It is crazy man. It's crazy that you know to fend for yourself at a young age is but you want to know something the one thing that I, I always remember about being out in the street at that time and especially in that particular place in the lower east side of manhattan the east village it was fun there was it was very artistic yeah. you didn't have social media and all the stuff that you have now so everything was grassroots hands-on and it introduced me to a whole bunch of stuff that i wasn't even aware of I mean, there were people doing abstract art. There were all different type of performance artists. You know, I, I went deeper into the punk rock scene. There were bands that never really even amounted to anything, but they were relevant at that time down there. Yeah. They might, there were bands that were only known maybe in the East Coast. And there were bands that were eh, semi-famous that would come through. They would come through and play in CBGBs. They were playing Lismar Lounge. They would play at the Ritz, which we now call Webster Hall. They, they, bands would show up, and I learned a lot. I learned about Gothic culture. You know, I, I, I learned about veganism. You know, the things that were concepts that were, were foreign to me. And I learned about them at a young age because I was down there. And some of the concepts were new even then. You know, uh, uh, protesting. You know, learning about uh, uh, how our environment is being uh, uh, decimated by mm. corporations and seeing, you know, people protest for the homeless, people protesting for veterans, protests repeatedly, underground newspapers, anarchist switchboard. I learned oh, all of oh the, you know, God, missing, yeah. missing foundation. I learned all of this being down there. You know, so although it was, it was a dangerous environment, it was like enlightening in a lot of it ways. It was extremely enlightening. You know, uh, and you're the kind of guy who's who you would enjoys up. being enlightened. Oh, yeah. Some people don't enjoy being enlightened. Some you're people smart. wouldn't appreciate that part of yeah, the lower you, side. You want to you know? learn everything you can learn and soak it all in. But I, I was curious. I had a young mind, and you're a young mind is like a sponge. Yeah. You want to absorb these things and these concepts. Like you know, what the hell is that? You know, was it? You know, fortunately, I didn't get crazy into the drug scene. I tried the drugs, but I said, you know. Then you try certain shit, and then you know, for some people, it kicks in that way. It's like, man, this heroin is good. I could, I could, I could sympathize why people don't come back from this shit because yeah. it fucking just fucking feels great. But I can't stay here. Uh-huh. This ain't for me. Yeah, I've done heroin, man. I said, Jesus Christ, I fucking sympathize with a damn junkie. What age this you talking? You doing heroin? Oh man, the first time I did heroin, I sniffed a bag of heroin. I had to be about seventeen. Probably seventeen. It was wild. Wow. And I, I and I said, man, this shit is awesome. And around the same time, I did Angel Dust. Yeah. You know, you 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 trying shit, and you're 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 shit faced. You're like, whoa, this is, you know. But some people try it, 
and they don't stop. Yeah, they become it. They become it. And you're like, yo, when you that's a real adult thing. That's a real conscious thing too. When you try something and you realize yourself, yo, this shit is too much. Yeah. You know, I I was more of a social drug user. I could get high on the weekend and leave it alone. But when you're living in an abandoned building with friends and you're running around, your weekends is a whole week. Yeah. You know. But I like the the amenities of being home. I like having my own bed. I like hot water. I like clothes. I, yeah. So, you know, you need a job. I need to get out of the abandoned building, you know. So so we got this. You're in the Lower East Side. You're experimenting. You're eating up all the art, the culture around you. You're you're avoiding the dangers of the area. When I'm getting into some of the dangers. You, you're of getting into some of the dangers. That brings us to your whole issue. And at what age was that? Oh, I was 19. So were you down there from basically 15 to 19, all just back and forth? different? Yeah, there, the whole New York City area. Yeah. I mean, with little stints in other places. Maybe seeing other... your family, your parents here and there. Yeah, I'm coming through now yeah. and then. Well, a funny thing happened. I had a good friend of mine, Jim Dunlop, and his parents lived in Long Island. They lived all the way out in Suffolk County, all lived in East Hampton, Long Island. So while his parents were away in Europe, he said, yo, bro, come crash at my house. Beautiful. You know, we get some beers and everything, go hang out. So we went there, and I ended up staying. His parents came home, and they were such beautiful people. They said, you're an intelligent young man. Why aren't you in school? So I told them, and they were like, listen, you're welcome to stay here so long as you go to school. So they put me back in school, which was the weirdest experience because I, I just was out on the street, you know, living with friends and, you know, uh, uh, doing selling nickel and dime drugs and, you know, doing crime. Yeah. You know, I went from that to being back into a school structure, which was weird. You know, the, the, the kids were like, you know, uh, uh, they were they were immature to me. I'm a little bit more advanced yeah. than them, you know. And uh, needless to say, my guidance counselor from my original high school, from South Shore High School in Brooklyn, she contacted my father because he was legally my guardian. So in order to enroll me in the school district out there, they had to speak to my legal guardian who hadn't seen me in a year. Ah. Uh, my dad. Yeah. So he comes out to Long Island. He say, he hugged me and he's crying. He says, son, where the hell have you been at? And how the hell did you end up out here in the Hamptons with these rich white people? Because <laughs> I'm friends with their son, and they're not rich. They're a working-class family. He says, son, do you know where the fuck you're at? You're in the Hamptons. The fucking Kennedys live over here. It's like actors wow. and actors. I'm like, yeah, well, they put me back in school. Needless to say, having faith in my father, I can end up coming back to New York City. I'm 17. I He signed me up for the GED program. I took the GED, first time out, passed the shit, and that was April of 87. So through all of this crazy shit, I managed to finish high school with a, a high school equivalency diploma. <laughs> Damn, at 17? At 17. So 17, and you don't go back to school, though. You get the GED out of the way. Got the GED out of the way, so now I could get a gainful employment. And then now you're back into the streets? I'm back, back into the... the streets on the next level. Yeah. Now, because I'm saying, you know, you know, fuck this other shit. I'm these guys out here are making G money. Yeah, they pitching crack on the Ave. I got with that. I got with my boy went uptown. I got me some work. I came back down. I loaded up some bottles and I was on the block because dudes are turning over money, and they they got fly gear on their own place. They driving vehicles. 
And I got down with that. Was that I'm, about the height of the the crack thing? Well, like it's oh yeah, this point? is eighty seven. Yes, eighty seven, eighty eight. You all remember that, that hit in what like eighty two ish? Oh yeah, it began in the early eighties. But you know, my introduction to yes. it on on you know on the selling side of shit was was then. You know, I was selling weed and shit before then, but the, you know the turnover of selling cocaine is like yeah, boom. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is way much more. So you know. So you're in that business, but you're still going to shows. You're oh, still I'm still an active scene. member of the hardcore scene, which which was cool. Now I got money though. Yeah. You know, now you know we didn't go to Nine Nine X and rob Nazis to get Doctor Martin. Yeah. We actually paid for. It. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, hey, drop the bag. Oh, white power. Yeah, leave the bag on the ground. Get the fuck off the block. There you you know, it's like, no, yeah, yeah. all right, you're gonna get the boots then. You know, was there a lot of uh? Interaction with the White Power Cats back then? Oh, my God. This was yeah. the weirdest fucking thing. And I, I even tell it, Jimmy Gestapo, I love you, big brother. I love you. I hope you hear this. Listen, it was the weirdest shit then. All the fucking Nazis used to follow Murphy's Law. Yeah. For the life of me, I can't understand that because Murphy's Law is diametrically opposed to fucking white supremacy. Yeah. They fucking love Rastas. They smoke a weed all the time. Fucking... But all the Nazis back then would follow Murphy's Law. I guess, you know, from the whole skinhead. I remember that. Skinhead yeah. rebel. Man, you go to a Murphy's Law show, you might have to fight going there. Definitely. Went to Irvin Plaza, jumped out of the car, whipped out fucking White Power Adam right there next to the dumpster. Stomped him right the fuck White out. White Power Adam, like that. Now, who's that? Adam was uh, no White Power skinhead, Brian Flagg, all them dudes. We used to have an ongoing war. Yeah. You know, I go to Pennsylvania, and I'm, I'm fighting with the White Power kids down there. They you know they beat up one of them. They come and jump me. It was like a yeah. fucking back and forth thing. Chicago, same thing. It got big white power scene in Chicago. Yeah. You know, uh, cash. You know, and, and fighting with the white power skins. But yeah, it was real prevalent in New York City. You wow. Because I know back then, if if Murphy's Law would come our way, we knew that for whatever reason, white power guys are coming to see Murphy's Law. I assume Law. they were a white power band. Uh, and and early I assume on, early, early on, on. no, yeah, thing. very early. And and I, Jimmy loves me to death, man. Yeah. I mean, to this day, that's my big brother. Yeah, and they're totally oh, opposed yeah. to that. It, it, like, it did take me long to figure out that the band has nothing to do with this crowd. And even Agnostic Front would come through. The White Power guys would show up. Weirdest Sick of it all would come the through. World. The White Power guys would show weirdest up. Weirdest thing yeah, in the world. It was very weird. We saw a lot of beefs from the bands and the crowd, and then that's when we started really appreciating New York hardcore because. A lot of times the bands on the stage would say something to the crowd when they saw, you know, saw fit. So we, we had a lot of respect for that. So you're 17, you're getting some money, you're still in the scene. You're probably like a player now in the scene. You probably got people with you because you got the cash. You know what I mean? Well, not not just for that. And I, I said this earlier. I, I was speaking to one of the brothers. And why why people are around me to this day. Why people love me the way they love me. You know, kudos to me. You know, I've always been loyal. I've always been willing to help. Yeah. You know, even when we lived in an abandoned building, if I had enough money to get some food, I brought food back for everybody. You know, if both of us are hungry, but all I could get is half a chicken and fried rice from the Chinese food place, we'll split it. We just take the top off the styrofoam tray and you get half of the half of chicken we we go. quarter the damn chicken yeah. you get half the rice that's in the tray i got the other half we keep it moving yeah. might not fill our belly completely but we got some food for today yeah and that stuck 
That mentality of, you know, taking care of your brothers and sisters, because we're all fucked up. We're living in an abandoned building. We're, we're punk rock kids. We're street kids. Look after each other. That stuck all these years. Yes. I mean, that's a major reason why DMS still exists. We always, we put those around us first. You take care of yourself. There's self-preservation. There's no question. Yeah. But you take care of those around you. And it came to save my life years later, you know, when everybody started protesting to get me out of prison. Yes. So. Now, for those that don't know that are listening, that's the thing. Eventually comes up. You get 24 to life? What would you I, get? No, I got 22 to life. 22 to life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I know a little bit about law, about this and that, and I don't know anybody I haven't, not personally, just I haven't even read about anybody that gets out of that. That's rarely happens. No, there's a lot of yeah. out now. I, I'm in contact with a whole bunch of. That do over 20 years and yeah, get out? there's a whole bunch of guys. I've never heard Want of Want to know the funny thing? All what? of them are doing good. Yeah? No one that has done 15 years of life or better that I personally know is not doing good. I, I always hear that's very hard. And, I, you know, when I. I know a handful of people that just I I know there's no chance for them to get out. Well, you know what I mean. But I don't think they have the mentality that we learned you had. No, they they do. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. Well, so what goes for, on inside for you lifers? Lot, you have a lot of things uh, available to people in prison in general, not just the lifers, but even a guy that's got like a three to nine, or a guy that's got a two to four. Or, there, there's school programs, there's college programs, there's vocational programs, there's uh, uh, drug and alcohol abuse programs, there's violence programs. You know, AVP is one of them, alternative to violence program. You have ART that's mandated by the state, which is aggression replacement training. You know, you have uh, AIDS counseling, things that you could learn from. So it's up to you now. You know, they'll put the basketball in the yard and put the weights in the yard and put the TV in the yard and play BET all day. And you can listen to rap videos all day and you could do that if that's what you choose to do. Or you can go and educate yourself. There's libraries in every prison. Yeah. You know, there's law libraries in every prison. You know, God bless the guys that all, you know, fought and died in Attica riot. This, you know, afforded us to have the opportunities. Is that where it came from? Yeah, they were rioting. They rioted because they were being mistreated by the correction officers, and there weren't any any things like incentive based things to help rehabilitate people. Guys wanted education. Guys want. If I'm gonna be here locked up all this time, at least let me get some books and some shit to better myself. So one of the outcomes from the riots were libraries. Oh man, was uh, they probably had libraries back then? Yeah, but it's probably like some fucking real Mickey Mouse shit. Yeah. But extending that, having a law library, having the uh, 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 opportunity to fight your case and things like that. Yeah, a lot of things came out of the Attica riot. That's, that. Those were, now they're taking all those things. This is the irony. They're taking all those things away from prison. Really? Oh, man. It, they would rather dumb down the prison population and enlighten. You got to think about this. And it's no slight on the correction officers or the Department of Correction, but... They themselves would be opposed to your rehabilitation. Their job is predicated on people being locked up. Mm-hmm. It's almost like saying if there was actually a war on drugs in America, two thirds of the people in prison wouldn't be in prison because it would. The, if they the, won the war, if there was even a war, yeah, 
If there was a war against drugs in America, for let's be realistic about this, two-thirds of the people wouldn't be in drugs. I mean, wouldn't be in prison for drug-related crimes. Mm-hmm. Drug sales, drug usage, drug-related homicides. My man was on drugs and went and did an armed robbery to support yeah. his habit. Whatever be the case, two-thirds of them guys wouldn't be in jail. But look at this. How many people would be out of jobs? Mm-hmm. Local police. Two-thirds of all two, correction two, officers two, probably. Co- correction part. officers, street cops, tactical narcotics teams, FBI, DEA, wherever there's drugs, there's guns. So alcohol, tobacco, and firearm. The, uh, uh, the public lawyers who, you know. The, the uh, lawyers, public assistant, state appointed attorneys, 18Bs, fucking clerks, judges. How many of this, how much of this would have to be downsized if there was an actual war on drugs? They make $600 billion a year annually on illegal narcotics. This is all part of the prison industrial complex and uh, crime generative factors in socioeconomically impoverished environments. <laughs> you drop drugs here. Now, let me ask you something. Cocaine does not come from Brooklyn. This shit comes from Bogota. Well, he was in South America. How the fuck did it get all the way to Brooklyn? Even mm. if it's one guy with a backpack coming over the border, how much you could carry on your back? Yeah. One kilo is the equ- equivalent of two pounds. So if you had 50 kilos, that's 100 pounds, a heavy fucking backpack. Yeah. Let's be realistic. And it, you're not carrying that much. So if you carry what? Four kilos over the... Man, that shit will just do one area of a large metropolitan area. Yeah. You know, one part... Shit, LA itself is 400 square miles. That four kilos would get fucking absorbed there. Yeah. This shit has to be on a larger scope. Drugs have to come in a bigger way. Now, lo and behold, it's all out in the open. Iran-Contra affair. They even Tom Cruise got a new movie out about him flying an airplane for the CIA delivering drugs. That's right, and it's based on a true story. But they give it to you. It's a true story. They give it to you. They tell you about Frank White moving heroin in the fucking body bags of GIs. They're telling you that we purposely and knowingly and willfully... Distributed drugs to uh, 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 poor neighborhoods throughout the U.S. Unbelievable. And in those places, that's the demographic to lock people up. Yeah. And those people filled up the prisons. This is the, they, they they tell you this. They had a Senate congressional hearing yeah. for Oliver North and Iran Contra. Yep. They're telling you what they do. They're telling you what they do with the drug proceeds. They've been doing this shit for years. They still do it now. Now in jail, is that the is that the majority of people locked up for drug related? Most oh, there's so many people. Most most of them are. Yeah. Then you have the ones that are are psychological crimes. I call them psychological crimes because they're not uh, uh, economic crimes. Guy robbing a bank wants money. Yeah. His his intention isn't to rob the bank and shoot anyone. Yeah. He'd be totally happy if you just throw the fucking money over the over the, the you know the counter. A drug dealer, he don't want no problem. He wants to give you your drugs to get high and he wants the money. But shit ensues when all these things go down. The guy goes to rob the bank, the guard in the bank pulls out his gun. Gunfight. Problems now. Yeah. The guy selling drugs, somebody comes and robs him because it's easier to rob the drug dealer than selling the drugs, right? Gunfight ensues because both of them got guns. Problems arise from these type of socioeconomic crimes. The psychological crimes are rape, mm-hmm. uh, 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 pedophilia, you know, uh, uh, domestic abuse, 
Those are more psychological. Yeah. And a lot of times, domestic abuse that and those things, related. that could be related also to drugs. Alcohol or drugs. Drugs and alcohol. You yeah. know, the guy loses his fucking mind, beat his wife. You know, things like that. But there's a lot, there's a lot of that in there, too. There's guys that have control issues, you know, like ill sexual desires. And, you know, they, they're using do their they, penis the as guys, a weapon. Do guys like that got a rough inside? Do they become they, targets they, like they we would do. Hear? It varies in the states, like which state you're in. Yeah. In New York State, man, them guys are so protected. Oh, okay. Just because they like, know they're going to be, there's a target on their back? It, they're protected because so many lawsuits have been put in against the Department of Corrections and everything that uh, when these guys get assaulted, they'll press charges against the people that assaulted oh, them. Oh, yeah. They'll press. They'll they'll sue the correction officers that were on staff that day yeah. for not protecting them. So now they say, "Well, we're we're going to make this easy. Don't let any of these inmates get hurt by other inmates, or you know, you're going to be responsible." You know, so it's almost like a, a separation immediately. No, they're not separated. No. They're right in population with you. Oh, I've seen guys that were rapists, man, deliberately start fights with other people, almost as if to say, "Yeah, I wish you would hit me," you know. Oh, but I've wow. seen them get thrown down flights of steps, stabbed, you know, cut. Yeah. I've seen all those type of things too. Yeah. But be wary now. They handing out new bids if you assault somebody. Yeah. So you you know you stab somebody with a piece of steel or you cut them, man. You're getting a new bid. Who wants that headache? Yeah. You want to go home. Yeah. But dudes don't get treated like you would think or like people fantasize in their mind. They get treated maybe in other state penitentiaries like in California or Texas or Arizona or something like that. They might get dealt with different or they might get shuffled right off the PC. Mm. But I'm telling you right now, you, you got guys in it. Then you got like street level guys that aren't that aren't rapists or pedophile. They just street level punks. These guys aren't even from our generation of being criminals. Yeah. You got guys in there that are, I've had a, I've heard this numerous times. I had a guy tell me, the first guy that told me this shit, I was shocked. He said, I had beef with another guy that was hustling. We got it on. We got into a little scrap. I whipped him out. I beat him up, right? Now, both of them were getting money, but the other guy had issue with him. And the, the dude I'm talking about is a good dude. He whipped out the other guy. Do you know what the other guy did that got beat up? He made an anonymous phone call to the police, gave the other guys information, said, this guy's over here selling drugs. Wow. And they went and locked him up. So yeah. you couldn't beat him up on the street level with your fist. Yeah. You couldn't get at him like that because you know that he pop off. Yeah. So you call the police to get him out of the way. Incredible. So he dropped a dime on, on this guy. Have the police run down on him while he had a little drugs in his pocket. Yeah. He ended up getting a bid all because this guy got beat up that's, by him. That's like the epitome of a, of a rat. That's, oh, a, that's, that's, that's the that, definition. That, that's yeah. that's the that, definition. Man, that guy was more than a rat. That motherfucker was like a fucking uh, uh, gerbil. Yeah. That, no, that, <laughs> that motherfucker was like a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Oh, what do you, what do you call it? The, the, the uh, guinea pig. You know <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. Yeah. But that, that was horrifying for me. I'm like... Yo, you're a street dude, man. Yeah. Even yo, fight. Even if you get your ass kicked, at least yeah, fight. You did it. No, man. Not nowadays. These motherfuckers will tell on you. That's wild. They will fuck with you, get fucked up, then call the police. That is insane. They do the same shit. Now, if a guy like that ends up in prison. They do the same shit in prison. Yeah. Sometimes guys jump out the window and say, Well, I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna cut his face anyway. Yeah. And they do it. Much, you know, much to their dismay. 
you know, his uh, it's, it's, it's we hard. heard they call that razor tag. They you call it the razor tag in some of the places, which I think is funny. I think you get what you give. Yeah. I have no razor marks on my body at all. Beautiful. None. You're shining, baby. No, I got no razor mark because you get what you give. I ain't going to cut nobody with a yeah. razor either. Yeah. I'm going to stab you if it come down to it. I'm not, <laughs> fuck, I'm cutting you with a razor for. You know who used to get cut with razor back in the day? Pimps. Pimps. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to push this a little closer. They, they, they used to carry yeah. razors. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. Yo, pimps, uh, people like that, you know, some of the gay dudes in the jail, they would yeah. get cut with razor because they want to protect their face, you know, yeah. their vanity, you know, yeah. they how they appear. A rat would get cut, so you're marked by the razor. Now it seems like everybody's cut. Yeah, because uh, the generation has changed. Yeah. The time has changed. They so you're saying it... Being cut with a razor used to mean it a used particular to, yeah, yeah, thing. Because only people that would get cut were people that their hands called for that type of activity. I got you. A dude that's a real live gangster in jail, you're not going to cut his face. Yeah. You're going to give him the steel. And he's going to fight you with the steel too. You're both going to fight with the steel. Steel is steel. Yeah. You're going to take all the National Geographic magazines you got there and take two t-shirts you're going to take two T-shirts and put them together and wrap your waist around with National Geographic so you don't get stabbed like in your kidney. Armor. Like body armor. And you're going to go out in the yard. We're going to fight knife to knife. See, that's how the thugs do it. Yeah. Gangsters do it like that. Nowadays, you know, they, they put metal detectors everywhere. Guys are trying to, you know, carry weapons into the yard the best way they can. So it's been reduced now to razors. Yeah. You know, I'm going to cut this dude's face and, you know. You got to think of the mentality of the people, too. The generation has changed. We like to say back when we were younger, men were men. We learned how to fight in the street by other men. I learned to fight with my father, my uncle, men on the block, slap boxing, and we were tough. Yeah. Toughen up. Don't cry, you know? This generation that comes after us, two generations removed, they're growing up without fathers in their lives. They're growing up without men, period. Not just dad. But no uncles, no grandfather, no men on the block yeah. to teach you what it means. I was raised with the mentality of being a man by not just my dad, but like several men. Even the dudes on the street that was playing CeeLo on the block. Tell you, have your ass in the house when the lights come on. You, you, we was taught to knuckle up and fight. That was in the 70s and in the 80s. Shit. By the 90s come around, a lot of black guys, you know, they, they were men, adults. They weren't in the neighborhood. Some, you know, it, and it's a socioeconomic thing. You've seen it happening in white families. Yeah, you see in a way, uh, Irish and Italian families. Like, where's your father at? Single mothers. Father comes see him on the weekend when he can. Yeah. And you see these single mothers. You say, yeah, oh, that's Maria. She's got two kids. She's Irish and Italian. You know, she's got two kids. I don't know where the fuck their father is. And she's raising them by herself. Yeah. You know, the, the 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 male I, I there's a book called the castration of the American male, but it, which gives you an idea mm. how the 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 fiber of the American male has been stripped, you know. But it's true. Yeah. hundred oh, percent. In, in, in many ways, you know, the American male, the, the values of a man have have been gone. So can you imagine the trickle down effect that has even on street level criminals and you know people getting in trouble in the street. Yeah, that whole element has been stripped of the generation that came after ours. Yeah, you're from the generation after mine, but you're not from 
two generations removed. Just imagine the kids that came after you. Yeah. They walk around feeling entitled. Everybody owes me something. Little suckers. They, they don't have any respect. And then they'll beef with you and you slap the shit out of them. They call the cops on yeah. you. Yeah. Because they weren't raised in a generation like us. Yeah, it's definitely like just one generation to another is a big difference. And, it to, and you're right about the lack of male role models, just male In your neighborhood. Yeah, totally. We're not talking about people on the TV that yeah. aren't tangible. I'm just talking about Johnny down the block that's a construction worker. Yeah. You know, Mr. Smith down the block that's a train conductor or works for mass transit. Yeah, they don't I'm even... I'm talking about the you know people in your neighborhood. Yeah. They rarely even observe, like, uh, uh, the, the neighbors. You know, they might, have, they might have one family where dad's going to work every day in the whole block sometimes. Yeah. There's a strange you know? thing that happened. I mean, it happened with this boom of technology where people... I mean, this isn't my idea, but, you know, it's it's an observable thing. People just stopped needing to talk to each other. You used to have to talk to people. If you need if you need a cup of sugar, you got to go ask your neighbor. Now, if you need a cup of sugar, you're going to just, you could go on StubHub or on uh, uh, Grubhub or whatever, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. and, and order some food or whatever. You don't have to have these relationships and interactions with people that you do anymore and it that it changes people a lot, changes yeah. people it changes society it changes society listen i i have neighbors i'm guilty myself like i would never fucking talk to these people i do not want anything to do with them and it's like i remember being a kid and i knew all my neighbors i knew everybody at, at five years old i knew everybody in my neighborhood yeah. And we were the doors were always open, and everybody was walking in each other's houses all day long. And then now the 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 juxtaposition of that to now, I would never fucking I don't even want to look at my neighbors now. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know even, why that is, man. It's bizarre because I'm a sociable person. I love talking to people. I love of meeting course. new yeah, people. Yeah. But this is a shift in society. Something changed where now in this society, in this society, yeah. you know where I don't trust. I see somebody. Did you ever try to figure out what it was? Uh, yeah, I think the only way to really figure it out is to go talk to my neighbors. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. No, I, I'll tell you exactly what happened. They told you that your independence was more important than everything else. And in that, they laid the lie. You know, if the creator wanted you to be so independent that you were just self-sufficient by yourself, we'd be each floating on our own asteroid in space. You were placed here on a planet to be sociable with other members of your own species. And as the intelligent species on this planet, you're the vicegerent of the planet, which means that you're the protector of all the other animals and plant life and, and the water and the mountains and the trees. Like you, you are a protector of the rest of the planet. But now, in order for them to successfully sell products and for these products to show up successfully on the NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange, we're going to offer you the illusion of independence. Mm. And then people bought into it. So now if we're so independent, when we have a problem with the government, we won't unite together to fight against the said government because we're so independent. I don't want to get involved. I have to pay my mortgage. I have a wife and kids. 
I don't want to get involved. I don't want to lose my job. I got a wife and kids. And if everybody, I don't give a fuck about these people's issue. I'm standing for the national anthem. Well, fuck you. I'm kneeling for the national anthem. If all of us are on a different page in our so-called pseudo-independence, we will never stick together. Mm. Therefore, you will be manipulated and controlled by mass media, corporations, religious groups, because you're not together. Because you're separated. Because from you're separated all of by the, the illusion the, of having independence. It's almost good, in a way, you're saying to have a almost a hive mind mentality. It help. It's it's helpful it's in better. some ways because your your the collective wisdom is better than your your independent wisdom. Do do you ever do you ever notice this that even the people that are law abiding citizens and doing good things when they're together driven by a particular thing like let's let's look for example Hasidic Jews Orthodox Jews Lubavitch Jews from the outside looking in to somebody that is not aware of Jewish culture they look odd to someone because they don't they, they don't dress the same way they're devout into their religion they might appear odd to the rest of the mainstream society in that they're a threat Two people that don't understand the tenets of Judaism. And they look at them like, why? There's almost a hive mentality here because they all look the same. They got the Pesachs going down. They're wearing black clothes and they're devout Jews. They're, they're praying to Hashem, Baruch Atoyah, Muslims. You can instantly turn a bunch of Muslim people into a pseudo enemy. Why? They're all praying five times a day. They're all wearing long jala beers. Somebody jumps up and say, well, these guys are fundamentalists. They're terrorists. All of these people are bad. You see the woman come out the house with her head covered. She's wearing her abaya. Her mouth is covered. Boom. No, that's the tradition per Islam. But it almost looks like a hive thing. They'll look at anything. Amish people. They're the most peaceful people ever. They'll appear odd to all the rest of the mainstream society that have been taught this independent expression of yourself punk rock seems odd to people yes. <laughs> watch this yeah because we have a hive mentality we don't we're independent yes but we're all together we're moshing in the show we're flipping off the, we got rings in our ears and our nose and we got a bunch of tattoos hive mentality mm -hmm. they like nothing more than to break up anything that's positive and progressive and working for a particular group of people whether it be through a religion, you rallying around Hashem or Jesus Christ or Allah, whether you're rallying around the music, whether we have uh, interests together, it becomes a threat when you got a group of people on the same page that are saying, you know what, we're not going to eat your food. We're not going to think the way you do. I don't give a fuck who you're electing. And we're going to pull our resources and take care of each yes. other. Yes. That's, that's straight punk rock. Yes. But when you act like that, now you become a threat. And what do they do to threats? They disband the threats because you fucking with my, my potential to make money. Mm -hmm. Just like they got rid of the Black Panther Party. Mm -hmm. Just like they killed college students in Wounded Knee the second time around. <laughs> yeah. You know, they see any group of people that have that said hive mentality that's sticking together. Yo, listen, man, we got to, the environmentalists, you bunch of tree huggers. Yeah. We got to shut them up, split them up, send them all into their own houses. So yeah. they just shut the doors and shut the blinds and be quiet. And what did they tell like, you? Like, man, Joe's doing, you're guilty, Joe. And what did they tell you? 
you're you're your own man. You're your own woman. Yeah. While they market products to all of these people that they're telling you're your own man, your own woman, and it's the same fucking products, and you're all fucking wearing them. Mm-hmm. They tell you you're all independent, but you all have to have an iPhone here, or you have to have the new Galaxy. You should drive this particular vehicle. You should wear this fashion, but you're all independent. You all yeah. got your own thoughts. They give you just enough that you might feel I'm a I'm a iPhone guy. I'm a Samsung guy. Right. But there's that's really there's no difference. I'd there. like to remind you though, Richie, that I am already part of a beautiful high no, mentality f- culture. Mr. Punk e Banks called you. Scott. Scott. You thank you, Scott, to neighbors. For, thank you, Scott, for uh Scott, pointing out that nice I'm part of the please. one of the greatest hive mentalities, the punk rock hardcore culture. With our with our leader, Ignatius for Front. correcting Richard on that. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Nah, yeah, we, no. we we just getting a little crazy. But yo, we, we we went way far out, but I didn't want to get too much into your situation because the podcast you did with Hoya on the Smoking Word podcast is so detailed to the story that I want people to check that out. It's one of the best things I ever heard. And well, it, it, it's it, if you're a hardcore kid, this is part of your history. Yeah. So well, it's, what it's we're having listed. here is a conversation with Mr. E. Banks. Right. It, it's listed in my name. Like, it says Scott E. Banks, but look for Jock Chemistry, which is my stage name. Yeah. It's Smoke, Smoking Word Podcast, Jock Chemistry. Yeah. So with that, which is me. Which, explain that to the people. You do... You, oh, I do performance art poetry. I'm, I'm a performance artist, poet, slam poet, and I write seven different styles of poetry. I normally perform uh, free verse, rhyme, and Shakespearean style poetry, and uh, you know I just I get busy with that. Beautiful Shakespearean style, iambic pentameter. This guy is working on so many levels above your average American mind. It's it's fucking. Are you gonna write astounding. a book? I've been asked this uh, a million times within the past year. Am I gonna write a book? I want to write a book. To be honest with you, I don't know where to start. And I was recently told, which I know this, to write things in frames. Write from right now what's happening in my life now and go back. Mm. Like write maybe the... Uh, 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 so I might even have a spot the, the, in the book. The prologue, the prologue would be what, what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Right? So chapter one would be me as a child, which, which is a great idea. But uh, I have another brother that was interested in doing a documentary film on me. I have the people at uh, CNN, uh, Tawanda Scott Sambu, who's a journalist at CNN. She's come up and filmed me upstate New York now on three separate occasions. But she's got like the equivalent of seven days worth of film footage of me. And they're doing a thing on CNN, one year release from prison like how i've acclimated myself oh really and she's got all of this film on me so we're gonna end up wrapping that up i gather sometime within the rest of this year uh there's there's a bunch of talk about that on october 16th of this year i'm going to john jay college for the second time john jay college of criminal justice and i'm speaking at three different classes the peniology class the victimology class and introduction to sociology class. So I'm I'm doing some public speaking. You know, I'm getting out there. I performed in Buffalo. I did a little uh, a reggae spoken word thing uh, a couple of weeks back. You know, for all of you out there that are listening, you can hit me up 
on my Instagram. It's ja underscore chemistry, J-A-H underscore chemistry. Or, you know, my Facebook is in my birth name. It's uh, Scott with two T's, S-C-O-T-T-E-Banks, E-B-A-N-K-S. And just, I mean, I, I go online, I make videos, I say things, and people love what I post. You know, it's real grassroots, you know, it's thought, thought-provoking. You know, it's off my mind, the way I see the world. And uh, while I don't like to say that uh, uh, I'm not opinionated, no, fuck that, I am opinionated. I have an opinion, but my opinions are based on facts. See, a lot of times people, they give their beliefs and their opinions and they don't amount to shit because you can't substantiate anything with facts. And I, I learned a valuable lesson a long time ago about that. But whatever you say out of your mouth, be able to back that shit up with fucking hard knowledge. Don't tell me what you believe in. Tell me your facts. One plus one equals two. Unless you're dealing with others, some type of uh, mathematics. Unless this is some type of quadratic equation or some fucking Pythagorean theory. Motherfucker, one plus one always equals two. Yeah, unless Give we go me facts. Your opinion is shit. I don't give a fuck who you voted for. I'm tired of hearing you people bash Trump because I don't give a fuck one way or the next because I wouldn't have voted for him or the other chick. And I don't give a fuck about none of that. I got to go to work Monday morning. I got people around me I love. All of us are paying taxes, car notes, insurance and shit. And none of the rest of you motherfuckers are helping any of us do it. I've got kids to raise. I'm trying to give my, my girl a kid too. So <laughs> listen, none of that shit fucking matters. What matters is, are the facts. And the facts are, all you have are the people in your life around you that you love. All that other shit. Stop acting like a fucking victim, too. I don't understand that shit. They tell you this shit in this culture, man. People are walking around, oh, woe is me, woe is me. I have social anxiety. I need medicine. I don't know. You need to get a fucking grip on your life. I've been home for 20 months out of a maximum security prison. I own my own fucking car. Right, I, I have fucking great job at a fucking car, one of the top car dealerships in America. Pay my own health care benefits. And I'm not asking anybody for shit. Okay. Amen. Take care of yourself. Yes. And cut off the fucking CNN and the Fox News and all that shit. This shit is fucking retarded. I got yeah, a, is- I got a question for you. What's that? So obviously, people can hear you speaking. You're very educated very knowledgeable you got a a good chunk of your life's worth of experience to to draw uh information on if you could go back and talk to 15 year old scotty banks fresh on the streets what would what advice would you give him if any i don't if if any i don't even think that's fair if, if I now, me, you now, I can go back and speak to myself. If you could go 15, back and speak to 15-year-old Scott Ebanks. The moment I did, me currently, right now, would cease to exist. I'm not talking about just the paradox effect. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would affect myself at 15 so drastically by me. I would probably start dissipating in front of myself. I <laughs> like that picture in Back to the Future. I, yeah, I would, I would be talking to myself and I would start breaking up into atoms. And why is that? I'd have such a profound, and first and foremost, I'd beat my 15-year-old self up. Throw him a beating? Because I know what my 15-year-old self is going to throw. Say, He's not as skilled as the 47-year-old yeah. one. Yeah. I'm going to beat his ass. I might put him in a rear naked choke. I might put him in a fucking triangle. <laughs> he wouldn't even know about He's that. He's like, oh, yeah. shit. You're yeah. like, oh, you think you're nice here? Yeah. And say, yo, listen, you're going to go to college. 
You're going to have a political science major. Then you're going to go and get your fucking master's degree. Then you're going to go and get your fucking doctorate. Right? I would dissipate yeah. because I... I'd be some. I'd be a monster. Can you imagine that? I might even go to the military in this shit. Become a ranger. General, I was E-Banks. so fucking healthy. Uh, yeah. Then, then probably. I don't know. I'll probably disappear again because we'll probably get fucking shot. I don't know. <laughs> fucking CIA might rub me. Either, either they'll rub me, and they was like, "Good job. You, you're fucking excellent. You're yeah. our best man in the field. Where, where the fuck do you get? He, he. Oh, my cover would be a hardcore band. Could you imagine that? <laughs> oh, nasty! No, no. Can you imagine? I'm in a hardcore band, and I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm an agent. No, I, I don't know, man. I would go back and tell my 15 year old self, man, to impart the wisdom that I have now. Oh, I would be a beast. I would be. That's insane to really think about. How about if we narrow it down and say you can only tell your 15 year old self one thing. If I could only tell my 15-year-old self one thing, I would tell myself the most powerful thing of all. I would say that love is your weapon. Love is your weapon. Love is your weapon. Use it. Now, for a 15-year-old hearing that, if you told me that at 15, I, it would, I would obsess over it constantly. Probably until I was forty, like I am now. The fifteen-year-old I might not understand it. For the fifteen-year-old Mad Joe would forget about that. The fifteen-year-old E Banks, he would do something with that. That's Matt, not true. I think so. I know no, this guy. That's not true. No, I probably I, would, something like that. I would. I would have. You think so? Over. I would obsess over I would, it. I would. I would. I would have pushed it <laughs> off too at first. I would have said, "Who the fuck is this roster guy telling me that love is a weapon?" Remember, I was fifteen, yeah. a fucking skinhead kid, fucking crazy, like. Uh, I'm listening to Four Skins and Anti Nowhere League. I wasn't fucking trying to hear no shit like that, you know. What I'm saying? And and when I wasn't listening, to that, I was listening to Exodus and Slayer, you know. I'm a yeah. fucking mind was. But if I said, you know, love, love is your weapon. Love the re- is your the re- weapon. reason I say that, people are so geared towards disliking one another and being standoffish, they don't realize that the real power that they have is right in their heart, right in their hand, is love. You accomplish so much more just being kind to fucking people. Even when they're being a prick to you, you could you can discard the person that's a prick. You know, you, you can lock your door at night. You can just separate yourself physically from them. You know, so long as they don't physically hurt you. You you accomplish a lot more by loving people around you. If you run into ten people in a day and all ten people you tell good morning, seven of them respond back to you, good morning. Some really mean it. Some are just saying it perfunctionary. But if five people actually say good morning back to you and they feel happy, you accomplished something good. You made their day. Hey, good morning. Somebody does care about you. And maybe the other three people, they're going through some shit in their life and it'll resonate in their mind and say, damn, I was a real dick for not saying good morning back to them. There's no shield against kindness. Be kind to people. Love people. Mm. The greatest weapon that we have is love. And it's free. Look how many people will come to your aid. How many people love wisdom and chains? They love wisdom and chains. They love the profound message in the songs, all the guitar riffs, the you know the syncopate, syncopathic, or, 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 or uh, syncopated rhythms of the drums. They love wisdom and chains. They can relate to it on a human level. Fighting in the streets. Yeah, that was me, motherfucker. I was fighting in the streets. You know what I'm saying? You know, you say, uh, 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 sing my song to my killer. He's like. 
What you know, mm. we 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 we're going into the empathy and sympathy here. We're going real deep. Listen to Wisdom and Chains songs. So somebody said, "Damn, I really love that band on a real deep fucking intrinsic level, man." Like, yeah. Well, that's what punk rock does to you. That's what Beautiful. hardcore does to you. Love is your weapon. Love is the greatest weapon you have. If if I love you and somebody hurts you and I go after that person, I'll kill that motherfucker for free. But now if everything about us is based on uh, 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 some conditional love, I'm going to ask for payment for my work. Yo, we're going to hire a hitman. How much? Well, listen, I want 10000 up front and I want 10000 when I'm done because mm-hmm. this is all I got to get money. You don't love me. You're trying to get a fucking a job done. Yeah. But if I love you, I'll kill for free. Mm. If I love you, I'll feed you for nothing. I'll sleep on the floor and give you my bed. Love is your weapon. Love is more powerful than anything that anything that you could come up with. That's beautiful. I hope you taught Joe a lesson today. Yeah. My son's going to be 15 in a couple of years. <laughs> Cause, cause I'm going to start teaching him that now because that's beautiful, man. That really is. Love, love is more powerful just think of it. What's the, what's the two most powerful words? God. No. No. Love. God is a concept. Okay. God is real and a concept. The two most powerful words. You got to separate the two things. God is real. Yeah. I'm going to get to that. But God is a concept taught to the masses. But the God, God is real. Uh-huh. Okay. Love and hate. Okay. Love is part of your makeup. It's an intrinsic thing to you. Hate is taught. They're four-letter words, but they mean so much. If I hate you, I stop at nothing to kill you. That's real hate. Anybody that tells you that they hate somebody else, but they're not trying to kill that motherfucker, they don't hate them. They just disgruntled at them. Mm-hmm. They're just disturbed by them. They don't really hate them. Yeah. Motherfucker hates you. They're going to sleep in a fucking sleeping bag across the street from your house on a rooftop and wait for you to come out to go to work and blow your fucking head off with a high-powered rifle. That's yeah. somebody that hates you. That's high-level hate. If somebody loves you and you're sick and you're having kidney failure, they say, give me the biopsy. I want to give one of my kidneys to Richie to make him live. That's love. I could use somebody like that, I tell you. Listen to what I'm saying. You know how many people love you like that? Not with with these guys in the band. Forget it. Hell yeah, they love you. I got to sleep with one eye open. I tried to give Richie my toe. He wouldn't take it. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, that's love. Well, if I love you, I'll go through anything to save you. Yeah. If I hated you, I stop at nothing to extinguish you. Yeah. See how great these words are? But one of the concepts is taught. The other one is intrinsic. Nobody has to tell a baby to reach for his mother's breast. He know where the milk is. Yeah. It's intrinsic. You know when he kicked their little feet and they cry? They want the comfort of somebody. Yeah. They want somebody to pick them up. Nobody teaches them this. They do this from none nobody taught any of us this. We know love on an intrinsic level from birth. We're taught hate. I don't like that guy because he's black. I don't like that guy because he's Irish. Yeah. Fuck that Protestant motherfucker. Fuck that Catholic motherfucker. You're taught that. Yeah. But if you, you separate all that and put all the little kids in a sandbox, they'll all play with the toys together. They don't know nothing about that. Because they, they have a, 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 an innate ability to love. We all do. But you're taught all that other bullshit. You're taught to hate. But they're the two most powerful words. That makes sense. So now, it, yeah, going back to what I would tell my 15-year-old self, is, you know, love love is your weapon. Love is, love is my weapon of choice. And how about the God is real? God is real. All right. Well, well, 
the whole, God is real. Oh, wow. God is so real. Look, God is real. God is so real. God is so real. Let me tell you when you came in. I said, is God real? And you walked through the door. <laughs> God is very real. God is real. I'm living proof that it is. It may not be the way you want to believe in him, but he's there. You didn't oh, think he, he looked. He, him, her, whatever you want to call it, it's there. You didn't expect that he looks like Hoya Rock, but he does. <laughs> he's like he me. Does. I, I look like Jesus, but with more abs. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, listen. God, the concept of God is flawed from the very beginning, from its inception. God is a singular entity that's separate from creation. It can't work. Mm. God and creation must be together. Creator and creation can't be separate from each other. But we'll make it real simple. We'll just go to the human body. And the human body is 80% water. Also, all the minerals of the earth. You have a copper, zinc, magnesium, all of these things that are found in the ground. You look at your multivitamin, you see... Your body temperature for a healthy human being is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. But yet and still, you breathe in air, which is comprised of 23.3% oxygen, nitrogen, and hydrogen to help you digest your food. I just mentioned all the four elements that are in life that make a human being function. But yet we look for God externally outside of us. We have the capability of creating life from a microscopic organism that gestates in our body, in our sperm, our semen. That one little sperm cell could travel, travel all the way through a woman's body parts and go and fertilize her egg and create a baby. But now you're looking for God outside of yourself, but you don't look in the mirror at yourself and your ability to create life. Your body is a microcosm of the great universe. The great universe itself is the macrocosm. And it's a mirror image of the universe. Your body is a universe. The macrocosm is a universe. God is you. God is all of us. God is all of the plant life, all of the water, our planet, and everything beyond this in synchro mesh, working as one. And, and the, the, the problem is here, we're not taught this. If you were taught that everything around you was God, you wouldn't hate each other for the way you looked, for your, for your, your uh, uh, ethnicity, for the color of your skin. If every time I looked at somebody's face and I seen God there and I seen the force of God, I'd do everything in my power to love you because I'm looking at myself. Why would I contaminate my own water when my body is 80% water? Why would I destroy my own environment when the trees give me oxygen to sustain my life? We're on a planet that's self-sustaining, self self-sufficient, yet we choose to destroy it while in a vain search for a God that doesn't exist. When the true God that exists is all of us together as one. You're looking for God, that's a fantasy. But the God that exists is right in front of you. Just look in the eyes so of your Mr. children. So, Mr. Ebanks, are you saying I'm a God? Yeah, you're God. <laughs> I know it. it. No, don't say that. Rich. Don't say that. I know it. I've been telling Joe for Peace years. Don't feed that Peace Allah. Don't feed that Peace to him. Allah. No, no. Yo, tell him the divine mathematics. The white man's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, that listen. Means this heaven. is. We're getting the we're getting the red light from Chris over here. Oh okay? my Check it out. Like we Chris, said, we love you. To hear the full story 
of Scotty Banks. You got to check out the Spoken Word Podcast from Hoya Rock. Look up Jock Chemistry. And in that episode, you hear the full story. A lot of you are already familiar. That's why we just went on with a free conversation. We didn't get into details and stuff like that, but we got to have Scotty back. We got to have Hoya back. We got to do things right. Evan's in the room. We don't really need him. He's kind of boring. But nah, of course we need him Evan's back. Evan's working on He's got some good stuff. He, yeah, he's, he needs he's to, building to, it up. To Thank you very to, much, uh, Scott. Scott, before we go, would you oh. bless us with a poem? Oh. I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you can. Throw his name in it. Yeah, if you could put my name in there, I, I really appreciate it too. If you could somehow put the mad the mad ball wasn't a chain split, maybe a no. <laughs> no, if you got for real though, if you got if you got a a, a poem, we'd love to hear it because people, this, this is the first actual uh, audio of your voice. The first thing I would you like to, you have some in mind? Oh man? yeah, like good. I, it's so good. Yo, no, uh, that's good. That's a symbol. Here he goes, juicing it up, baby. When you when you first got out, actually, it might have even been before you were out of prison. Did you have a Facebook account? I had I had a MySpace back before. Yeah, I had a Facebook. So I think you might have put out some poetry from when you were still locked up. Uh, yo, I got in a lot of trouble for that too. Okay, so that's that. So I'm not, not I'm not imagining trouble. that. That was you probably in the jail. First. You got in trouble for a couple of things. No, they put. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> Scotty Banks. They, 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 they. We got in trouble because we weren't supposed to have the ability to record shit, and we had an eight track. Let I me mean, use like an eight channel or recorder, and we did. I did three pieces, and some other kids when they were rapping and shit. You know, when in the facility I was in, so we we dubbed some tapes, man, and sent it to the local college radio. Yeah, and mine didn't get make the cut yet. Them guys got in oh, trouble because they made no my my next thing was gonna be on the radio, but my shit didn't make the cut yet. Man, these guys end up going in the box. They just fucking search my shit. Oh wow! I man. just missed getting because my shit was on deck to get played next. Oh wow! Oh That's my crazy, god! Man. These motherfuckers are like, how did you make this? Who has a cell phone? Who did you know? But we have beats and everything. They was like, yo, these motherfuckers, we had one of those little, like, boss sequencers and shit. Motherfuckers yeah. making, we, we was, like, fucking overlaying, like, six different layers. And the motherfuckers, man, always doing our shit. Yo, so, yeah, I posted some shit. Some shit had managed to get over the wall, you know. But now, you know, thank God I'm home so I can perform, you know, on a whim. You know, I got, and I have so much shit. That I wrote over the years that, you know, there's a whole bunch of shit that's not on my Instagram and Facebook. That'll be coming soon. You know, I want to put some, our, our brother Ruben and I, we're going to get together and put some beats towards some shit. Uh, hopefully I can get my brother DJ Stress, uh, Jeff Davis, you know, to make some tracks. You know, I, I'm blessed that I have so many family members, you know. I got y'all that are in bands, you know, I got Madball, of course. And, you know, uh, uh, so many people that make music. That you know, it's it's unlimited. You know the potential for me to make music, but with that said, I'm gonna say, hey, how you doing? How you doing, big sexy? Go ahead, set it off. Go like, inspiration. Oh right, go. shit! Ready now, kick it. Kick that it. I am what you can understand should be no surprise. You are blinded by lies about me and my people. They say we're not equal, less than three-fifths of a human. If only you knew, you're my bastard children. So what does that make you? Historical fact is a truth that breaks you. Genetically challenged, yet you still manage oppression of God that I am. Found in DNA of pharaohs at Luxor. Stolen from tombs by British grave robbers. Whipped of my flesh at the hands of demons. Running the underground railroad screaming. Escape from the matrix, American dream. 
screaming. Biko is gone, but I still cry freedom for the mindless sheep and the wolf that eats them. I am terrorist screaming, Allah, Shahid. Fragments of nail bomb making you bleed. CIA contacts motivated by greed, using tax dollars to feed their need. I am a government on trial with cases still pending. Death and starvation caused by corporate spending. A rock in the riot that hit the police. Won't submit to politicians or the mark of the beast. Creator of life on the seventh day I rested. I'm a vigilante killer when children get molested. Reborn Nat Turner, killing my master. Exhaling revolution like a natural disaster. Soul fire burning, exciting your chakras. I'm Ayat 19, found in Surah El Bakra. This is the truth. I'm the heart of Yusef Hawkins, no longer pumping blood. I'm James Bird's body chain dragged through mud. More deaths by lynching since the emancipation. Continued in classrooms, textbook indoctrination. Won't live on my knees in social condemnation. I'd rather die like Malcolm, awaiting assassination. Fear is not an option when you're dying to live. Sell your soul for solidarity when there's nothing to give. I am the last man standing, clutching a gun. You cowards die for cover, make you motherfuckers run. First shot fired of the last rebellion. I'm Che Lamumba and Mao Zedong. Pure-hearted, raised fists and frontline righteousness. War-love activists with hardcore consciousness. In a world of starving children, I could never be a pacifist. I am a fire in your mind, mind before time, sight for the blind. All things divine are based in truth. I am poetic motivation. Wisdom in chains, mad ball, motherfucker. Go and get this. Go and yeah. get this. Yeah. That's how we're doing. Yeah. Oh, Scott, we love you. Yo, Scott we love you, baby. That was incredible, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. We will do this again ASAP. That was fucking awesome. We're going to Albany, son. We're going to Albany. I love you. Uh, please send us comments about this one to postamericapodcast at gmail.com, uh, at postamericapodcast on Instagram, and Twitter is at postamericans. Thank you guys so much for the support. Uh, thank you, Scotty, for being here. Big shout out to Matt thank Ball. Thank you for having me. Uh, this Thanks was an awesome weekend. Thank you for the chance, chance. Poughkeepsie, New York. Yes, we love you. And uh, we'll talk to y'all soon. Peace. We out of here. America Podcast. The Post-America Podcast.